Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Well, it's been a newsworthy week uh, around the world, uh, from the Ukraine to Syria to Iran. A lot of stuff is happening, some of it good for America, some of it bad for America, but none of it apparently influenced by America. That's how it looks to me. We'll ask Bill Crystal from the Weekly Standard for his take. Bill, thanks so much for your time. Hey, good to be with you, Michael. Yes, so uh, is there anything that President Obama could say about anything in the world that other world leaders would go, uh-oh, Obama just spoke. We better watch out. Well, President Obama speaks a lot, but he, he actions is what matters, uh, I think, at some point around the world when you're mm-hmm. dealing with uh, other world leaders, especially fairly thuggish and tough ones like Vladimir Putin or uh, you know uh, China or Venezuela or other countries. And there we've really fallen down. I mean, it, it's depressing as an American to look around the world and see the degree to which people just dismiss what the President of the United States says. Well, just uh, a short while before we're speaking here, uh, the Egyptian parliament, apparently, or the cabinet just walked out. They're just done. Uh, you know, we've got the uh, Ukrainians uh, who are you know, Russian looking in that end of Ukraine, looking even more closely at Russia. And uh, as you mentioned, Venezuela is just a total mess. And I, I, it seems to me that the lesson is obvious that when America is weak, the world is a less good place. If I'm listening to uh, some people in the press, they seem to think, no, President Obama's handling it exactly the right way. Now, when America's weak, the world gets more dangerous. Ultimately, the danger you know, falls back upon us, unfortunately, as we've seen throughout history. Um, you know, when you think back, the Green Revolution in Tehran in 2009, mm-hmm. uh, the uprising in Damascus in 2011, pro-Western uprisings in the middle of the, in the center, the heart of the Middle East in both cases, unexpected. What an opportunity. And an American president goes silent, or in the case of Syria, pretends that he's committed to getting rid of Assad and, and uh, doing something to help uh, have a decent outcome of that revolution. And then, of course, backs off, does nothing, and then the al-Qaeda begins to take over the revolutionary side, and Assad kills tens of thousands of people, and, and that's where we are. And I just think you look at that pattern. Ukraine is a hopeful moment. I, I really respect the people there for, for putting themselves on the line. I hope we now step up and do what we can to counteract all the things Putin is going to try to do. But um, it's hard, and I don't have great confidence, unfortunately, that this president is going to do that. Uh, should we be surprised by the brand-new poll that shows that Americans don't think President Obama is respected by foreign leaders? 53% of Americans say they think leaders of other countries don't have much respect for Obama. Only 41% say he is respected. Or should we be surprised that it's taken us this long for the polls to reflect what seemed to be pretty self-evident. No, but it is a really striking uh, figure, Michael, because, you know, Americans, like other people, I mean, are patriotic, and we want to think our president is respected, even if we didn't vote for him, even if we disapprove of some of his policies. And I think to get, to have 53% of Americans say that, I think what that means, the majority of Americans saying their own president, uh, and of course, most the majority of Americans voted for this president's wife, uh, so the majority of Americans now say their own president isn't respected by other world leaders. I mean, it's a very, I think it's a real indictment. I think it is one reason President Obama's general approval rating is is low. Is, is low. It's not just Obamacare, though that's probably the most important part. It is foreign policy, which matters. I think it means that for Republicans and conservatives, getting serious about foreign policy, getting serious about defense policy, doesn't mean there's one right answer in all these cases, but, but being seriously engaged in it and not just saying, oh, the voters don't care about that. It's all about the budget and Obamacare, and you know, we, don't, we can just sort of mail in the foreign policy answers. I think that's a mistake. I just had lunch with the governor here in Washington. They're, they're all in town. They had the dinner at the White House last night and met with the president this morning. And it was an intelligent uh, conservative Republican governor, and 
And he saw that. He said he was struck. Even in his state, he does town halls. Of course, he's a governor. People don't ask about right. the world. He doesn't have much control over what happens around the world. But people are upset and concerned, and they have a sense that things are not going well. And I think it's something the Republican Party can really step up on and provide a better alternative. Uh, speaking of Republicans stepping up, uh, Ted Cruz seems to inspire just almost as much debate among Republicans as uh, foreign policy does among uh, the president and his staff. Uh, what's Ted Cruz's current role in the GOP? It's amazing how much hostility there is to him. I've differed with him on on, on tactics. I uh, There are things he's said that I think are unfortunate. And, um, but, you know, it's not. he's not the only one who's made tactical mistakes. He's not the only one who's taken... Uh, what might be a couple of cheap shots at some fellow Republicans, and the degree of hostility to him by establishment types, and it's always spilled over even to some conservative columnists and commentators. I think it's a little crazy. At the end of the day, if you ask me right now, everything given everything he's done over the year, it's only a year, right? Thirteen months that he's right. been in the Senate. Is it better? Are we better off? It's better off or not that Ted Cruz won that primary, won that general election, is to the Senate? I think unambiguously better off from a conservative point of view. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean everything he's done is right, but uh, I mean the, the attitude of some people here is that he's done great damage to the Republican Party and the conservative movement. Really, are Republicans in bad shape in 2014 because of Ted Cruz? Is conservatism less vibrant because of Ted Cruz? Is there? Don't a lot of people in the grassroots feel they have someone speaking up for them in Washington? I think he could pivot a little bit. He could do a little more to advance positive conservative reform ideas, move a little bit from being a protester, kind of a, a voice of protest, right. to a voice of future governance. But I, I, I've got to say, I hear all these attacks on, on Cruz, and I'm, I'm kind of impelled to defend him some. Well, you know, I, to me, the, the combination that Republicans need is passion and strategy. You've got to have enough you know, uh, passion to move people because we don't have the kind of organized, you know, uh, special interest or kind of group driven voting. So you got to mobilize the passionate people and then give them something smart to do. And the idea that you want to chase away the guy who's tapped into that passion, you're crazy. That's the engine that moves the car. Now, what I do, I want him driving the car right now. (laughs) Maybe not. But man, you've got to have that engine. And I don't know if the establishment really understands that. Didn't they learn from 2012 that there are absolutely are people who will stay home if you say to them, you have to accept a, you know, uninspiring choice. Uh, Part of being an establishment is that you don't learn anything or you (laughs) learn very, very slowly and very reluctantly, and I think that's the case with the Republican establishment. Um, you're absolutely right. It's a good analogy, a good, good metaphor of the passion and the strategy. And look, you can, if you have a lot of passion, you can improve your strategy. You don't have any passion, you can have all the strategy in the world, and right. it doesn't do you much good. And what I keep pointing out to the establishment types is when they talk about, well, that horrible, uh, you know, did that filibuster on Obamacare and the debt and the government shutdown, is if the establishment had had a plan. For something right. to do as the, the the crystal plan, you know, connect a couple of really unpleasant ideas to the uh, to the, the to the Obama position and make the Obama and the Democrats make them defend them. Then the grassroots would have been happy. They would have joyously celebrated the execution of that plan. Their passion would have been up. But instead, the establishment said we got nothing. And that left a, whole, a gap that I think needed to be filled. Ted Cruz kept people motivated and mobilized who might have pulled another 2012 and said, you guys, you're never going to get this right. You're never going to care about me. I'm not going to care about you either. Yeah, and I think Republican candidates are in good shape in 2014. I think a lot of them will run, won't quite be as militant as Ted Cruz, will be a little less headstrong. But I think you're absolutely right that the challenge to the establishments of both parties, the willingness to stand up for what you believe in, that's something that voters are going to reward this November, I think. And one of the things I get to hear, because I 
from on the grassroots level, a lot of uh, Tea Party folks, is they want to be smart. They're not, you know, this notion right. that they're looking for the chance to die on the beach just to prove, you know, their position. Yeah, there's always a couple of people like that in every group, but they they love the idea that their passion can be turned in a smart direction, and they keep looking for leadership to say, here's the smart way to do it, and instead what they get is they feel like there's a lot of abuse of, well, you're, you're a bunch of dummies. You don't even really know what you're doing. You're hurting the party. We don't want you around. And I, I, yeah, I abuse just, or, or kind of patronizing talk. Yes. Or, you know, hey, we'll take care of that in a couple of months. Get back to us on the debt ceiling. That's when we're yeah. going to fight. Whoops, I guess we're not fighting on that. No, I think it was prudent probably not to fight on the debt ceiling, but it is not really smart to tell people right. three months ago, we're gonna, that's where we're going to fight, and then sort of two, two days before the fight, say, actually, we're not going to fight here either, you know, without explaining any strategy going forward. Well, the, uh, the I think the Republican voters are ready to join you know, to to be part of a mobilization and make 2014 a historic year. But uh, we need some smarter people uh, leading them at the top. That's why I'm nominating Bill Crystal for King of Republicans. Yeah, that's that getting a lot of that's getting a lot of endorsements out there. I'm sure <laughs> a lot of a lot of people. Kind I've of... heard from three other people who support <laughs> me, only one of whom has been previously institutionalized. So I feel that's good right. about this bill. That's good that my wife's on the phone to you. So that's <laughs> nice. Yeah. But she wouldn't support it, of course. Why am I even saying that? <laughs> Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us with the Weekly Standard. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Michael.